Welcome to 52 and 52. As you know, I'm Josh, but this sounds a little different than usual because Anthony and I are going to start doing a little bit of a new thing where where there's a movie that one of us likes and the other one has no interest in seeing or talking about, but we really want to talk about. We might have a guest on and do it a different way. And uh, that movie t- this week is Jackie. And uh, I movie that I saw that is just not, something not in Anthony's lane, but I really felt the need to talk about it. And I sent out some back signals on Twitter and whatnot and asked a lot of friends. And I needed to find someone to talk about it with. So today I'm happy to be joined by a Twitter friend of mine, uh, Hannah Couture. Uh, Hannah, thank you so much. Thanks for letting me talk about it. I also didn't have anybody to talk about this movie with, so this will be fun. Yeah, so first of all, I want to start with just, uh, for those of you who don't know, like Jackie is a movie about Jacqueline Kennedy, uh, or Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis, if you will, as her name was when she when she passed away, but uh, the life of the, uh, John F. Kennedy, and it is not a traditional biopic. I think a lot of people went into this movie expecting that, and or thought it, that was going to be it, so they kind of just turned their heads up at it, because some people are a little tired of biopics, but I think this movie is a little different from that, because it follows her in the week after her death, and one of the most interesting things about it for me was that I don't think I really knew a ton about Jackie Kennedy going into it, or at least as much as I thought I do. I, I fancied myself a little bit of a history buff when I was a kid, but re- just a little bit of a blind spot for me, Hannah. So uh, what were, what were your, did you have like any opinions on her as a person? Are you into history? Did you have any thoughts about the Kennedys going in, or were you just kind of like, like me and said, oh, this movie got really good reviews, I'll go see it? I mean, I, I'm always it seemed interesting to me just in the context of, I think that's an era of American history that is really interesting. And obviously, you know, I mean, that sounds terrible to say, but like the JFK assassination is really interesting, but it's also like, you know, I didn't have any specific, like, Oh, I have to see that movie because it's about this. I just thought I had seen reviews saying that this was a really interestingly uh, done biopic that I think I think that had it been a more straightforward if it were like you know this was Jackie Kennedy's life like birth to death I'd be like yeah I mean that that'll win some Oscars I'm not sure how interesting it'll be you know um but this one it's funny you were saying earlier that like you had talked to some friends about this and they said oh yeah I saw the trailer and like was not into that I thought the trailer was really interesting like it was really compelling and it is pretty indicative of the kind of movie it ended up being I think yeah, no, like I, 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 you, if you watch that, you should expect something different. And I mean, I've, I talked to people that both were just like simply, uh, I didn't like the trailer, but other people who were just like, oh, I really don't really care about it. And it's a, looks like a biopic and I don't need to see something like that. And I, I think that's probably the biggest strength of the movie is that I think that it uses that, uh, it uses that format really well to tell you about her. Cause like I said, I didn't know a lot about her. I knew she, I guess she had some kind of, debutante background if you will and she just married into this family and maybe she was in a little bit over her head but she was put, put on some kind of public face possibly but that's about all i knew and i guess a regular biopic would just kind of be pretty might could end up just being pretty heavy-handed and showing you oh here's this moment in her life that meant that here's where she's gonna have some adversity that person's gonna give her a speech that's an oscar moment this person's gonna give her some other mm-hmm. speech she learned something and there's the assassination scene yada 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 and just yada yada the rest of it and I really thought this was kind of cool because I thought a lot of those different types of scenes, whether it be the uh, whether it be the interview, basically what we'll say is it opens with her doing an, doing an interview with uh, Billy Crudup, who plays a reporter for Time Magazine, uh, and it's, they're using that as a little bit of a framing device to kind of go back and forth through the rest of the movie. And 
I, I I just had a lot of fun trying to figure out who she was, basically, just through that interview, because you can tell, like, maybe she in the past has thought that people kind of look down on her just because of her looks and don't expect her to be smart, and you don't exactly know how smart she is, but it's clear she's probably smarter than people think, but she's also maybe putting on some kind of act for him, and she's uh, just trying to dominate the interview, and... I talk a lot in these things about a lot a lot on these podcasts about how I really love interview scenes in movies. I think I might have even talked mm-hmm. to you on that about Twitter one I, time. We did talk. We talked about the scene in Magnolia once on Twitter. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, like a lot of the ones that I like, were, whether it be that or like Brie Larson's in Room or Mark Ruffalo and Foxcatcher, it's like the interview subject is just really struggling a lot. And so this is a cool spin on that. And ironically enough, I had talk, when Anthony and I did a podcast on Almost Famous, we talked about how, like, man, they should have really actually had uh, William do a really cool interview scene with Russell, and they just kind of – Cameron Crowe didn't feel like writing it or whatever. And now here he's on the other end of such a weird twist on that where she's just dominating him basically and not letting him do whatever he wants and not letting him put anything on the record, and he's just kind of powerless. And I, I like that twist, and I thought that before you even use that to inform the other parts of the movie, I thought that really showed you a lot about her. Yeah, I think that's always – I mean maybe it's kind of obvious, but I think that's always a, a good – framing device especially when you're doing something like this where i think this is really the way to do a biopic is to just focus on one element or one section of a person's life because it's just you know you can't do everything in a movie even if it is long and this movie is only 90 minutes long which is not uh not what you expect if you think like oh this is a biopic but i think that is one of its major strengths is that it chooses it's not linear but it's all from one, you know, few days of her life. And the, the interview is a good way to be able to sort of jump around. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I like that point you made, cause that's, that's part of why I think I like Selma so much. Like that could have easily <laughs> just been like a, let's talk about the life of Martin Luther King, but instead it just focused on that one specific time period in the civil rights movement and told me a ton of stuff. I already, I did not know when I thought I already knew a lot about <laughs> yeah. the, when I thought I already knew a lot about the civil rights movement. And here it's, they're giving you a lot of interesting uh, behind the scenes stuff. And I, did you? In the other, another one of the framing devices the movie has, aside from its present day timeline, is the tour she does at the White House. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't, I, I think I had watched bits of that before, but I'd really never watched the whole thing. And, uh, my main knowledge of that comes from there's an episode of Mad Men where they're all watching right, it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. And so I thought that um, I want to talk about the, the specific performances later with her and Greta Gerwig. But I thought one of the more telling parts of the movie was when they're because they're bouncing between the interview with Billy Crudup, the tour of the White House, and then present day stuff, and then some flashbacks with her and JFK. That's like the way it's set up, and it's pretty cool how they they use this to bounce around, and you're not really getting whiplash because I think it's telling you a lot about her. Because in that scene in the White House, there's one point in which she like I think. I mean, I don't know if we're supposed to actually think that's good. Like her delivery, is she if if is he mm-hmm. if he's just flattering her when he's telling her, oh, you could be a TV person. Is he just saying that to right. to ingratiate himself, or we actually supposed to think she's good? Because I don't particularly think she's like she doesn't strike me as like a seasoned TV broadcaster or anything like that. But there's one point at which she does look over to Nancy Tuckerman, who Greta Gerwig plays, and like just for like some kind of reassurance or a nod, and she's like, okay. And if you're just watching the interview, you wouldn't know that's her. You wouldn't know that's what she's doing. And then you're seeing that she's looking over for reassurance because she's not totally sure of herself. But it strikes me as her being very earnest in handling this thing. Like, I mean, maybe, yes, some part of her is doing it because she just really wants to do it for herself and for the attention. But I do think she genuinely, like, wants to do good. And she, there is some truth in it when she's really earnestly trying to, like, reach out to the American people. And that tells you something about how, like, even if she's not, like, she's putting on some kind of act a lot of the time like i think she's i think it shows that she was pretty well intentioned and it's just like an interesting way of like 
really giving you some insight into her and using that in a different way. Whereas like it might've just been a very straightforward retelling of that time I gave a tour in a lesser movie. Well, the, um, the tour of the white house, I think is a really interesting sort of statement of like the movie's ideas as a whole, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a movie largely about like public perception of, uh, you know, authority figures or famous people or whatever. And, that tour of the White House they talk about was the first time a lot of Americans had seen what any part of the White House looks like inside. And JFK's presidency was one of the first ones where television was a major force, really, that Mm -hmm. most people had access to. You know, they talk about how those televised debates against Nixon, like that was a a point where it was very clear that uh, Kennedy had an advantage in using media to persuade people. And so I think you're right that like that's it. She it shows that like she doesn't quite know maybe how to use uh, television in her favor. Like, you know, there's all those shots of Greta Gerwig trying to urge her to smile, but like make it look natural. Like it's an it's interesting because, you know, that White House tour is such a famous moment in television Mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily think about like how strange it must have been for her. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's like. it's they they talk a lot about like her and it's unclear if like she I guess she did it on her own accord even though it's not like she's she mm-hmm. doesn't seem like she's commanding the room a lot when she's doing that and I like they didn't really get into like the genesis of what made them exactly decide to do it in the first place like she says she did it for the American people but like it doesn't come across as like her like being totally excited to do it either so it's like hard to know exactly what her aims are but like they talk a lot about that throughout the movie is just like where are you going through all this trouble to set up a funeral procession for like for you or are you mm-hmm. are you just trying to and trying to like just really put on some kind of image for the people and just to build your ego or are you really doing this for your husband or are you doing this for the people and i think it, i mean it, it all is just kind of thrown in there but it's so well done that like it just makes you think about what exactly their motivations were because i don't know if there's really a clear answer to that but it's really fun to think about yeah and it's also the idea of leaving a legacy like there's that scene where she and uh rfk are in the car and she says to the driver like do you know who william mckinley was and he says no she's like a president who was assassinated in office do you know who lincoln was and the point being that like you know there are these several presidents have been assassinated in office but the ones you remember are the ones who did great things but also the ones whose passings were marked with these grand events. Well, definitely. So, and so, yeah. No, I was just going to say, so they are thinking about it in historical terms like that. But then I, the other, the, the scene I thought you were going to mention is the one where they're sitting in the Lincoln room later and he, in um, RFK just kind of gets, gets really upset, like thinking about like, what could we have done? And, mm-hmm. uh, and they're talking about how like, well, I mean, like, did we even really do much? Cause even back then they were like, how are people actually going to remember the Cuban missile crisis? Is it going to be, a, we don't know if that's going to be like a good thing or a bad thing. And we missed out on the chance to handle civil rights, handle the space program. And then what made me laugh out loud both times I saw the movie was when he was bemoaning the fact they weren't going to ha- get to handle Vietnam. Yeah. <laughs> and I laughed. I was the only person in my theater, and I laughed at it both times because it's like the second time he even like said it. He like reiterated that fact. It's like now Nick's now freaking Johnson gets to do it. I'm like, I think he dodged a bullet on that one, man. And it was it was just funny because he was like. The, the, you almost like for a times like throughout the movie where, like you forget that they're actually in mourning because they're like they're kind of right. or at least hit him because he's like thinking about all that 
stuff and he's obviously sad and you can't help but like there's like a whole extra layer of sadness on top of the movie just because like you know how much tragedy that family still has to go like they have i mean he's he gets shot five years later and then uh jfk jr as as the plane crash and stuff so it's like they're already talking about how like this family has like so many missed opportunities and stuff and they mention how they had the two unsuccessful uh childbirths already so it's like you're thinking about all this and it's really done well and it's like wow like they don't even know what's coming (laughs) yeah and i think that's what i mean a lot of reviews have pointed out that this is a movie about one specific national tragedy but also about grief and mourning on a smaller scale like i i don't remember uh, who said this? There was a view, a review that was like, you know, this is also a movie about a woman who has lost her husband and now has to move out of her house. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's a large tragedy, but it's also about like, well, how do you manage? And that is also legacy stuff too, because it's like, there's, you know, she talks about once we move out, what's going to happen to all these renovations that I've done at the white house. And there's a shot of, um, lady bird Johnson late in the movie, like picking out paint colors. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, you know, you do all this work to build up what you think is important and it can all be stripped away very quickly. Well, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things like we didn't really talk much about just like how the movie handles the actual week of timeline yet. But like, I thought that one of the more interesting things is just like, how she decides, all right, now I just need to go do these things. Like, what do you do when your husband dies? I need to, like, go around and, like, just figure out what happened and what do I do from here? And, like, some of the more interesting scenes in the movie for me were just, like, her on the plane after. And (laughs) she's just, like, bouncing around, like, asking all these officials, like, what about the size of the bullet? What about that? What about this? And they're like, I don't know how to handle you right now. You're just kind of bouncing around like a crazy person on this plane. But it's like, I don't blame those guys for not really having a good answer for her other than just, like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's like, but it's like you almost forget because this, this, there's so such larger actual things at play than if like someone's in, if just a regular person's husband got shot, you forget that like she's is still just a wife and she's just there asking people for stuff and trying to figure out what happened. I, she, she's like, I need to speak to that Oswald. Like someone's just going to go let her speak to yeah, Oswald. Exactly. And, she's, and she's just like thinking about it in just the most basic terms of like, what, what, what would a woman be thinking about if they're reacting to the, to their husband getting killed and like and then i mean the obvious said the scene about her having to tell the kids and stuff like that which i thought was pretty well done but it's like on on top of all this other stuff you are right it's just like they have they don't forget to do the little things like that too and just watch her have to deal with that and i mean like that scene on the plane was just so weird like i guess that is a famous picture when johnson's taking the oath but like i just i just i, I it wasn't something i remembered i'm like oh, is that a rule does she have to be there because that's like really crazy they made her do that and i'm just, just like still in the suit with the blood stains yeah like, yeah like, which is also an iconic image but yeah yeah i should have known that I, sh- like, I, I just forgot about it and i was just like because i guess that is a pretty iconic thing her standing there but just when i saw it i was like wow she was actually there for that because i doubt that's in the constitution like the first lady doesn't really need to be <laughs> present for that and but like she's like right there right after and i was just like wow that is like super weird um but yeah like what what do you, um what so what did you what did you th- did you have any other thoughts on that part of it specifically just like how they handled that whole sequence of um her and just interacting with the with the cabinet members and any of that like that i did find some of that internal stuff pretty interesting it, before you even get to all this stuff with her out on her own yeah it is interesting to think about uh, like the first lady is someone who has sort of some degree of power, but also not really any influence at all, or some influence, but not really any power. And especially, you know, suddenly, Hey, I watch now, house of cards. I know they can do stuff. 
yeah. But yeah, it's like, you know, suddenly her husband is there. So he he can't even advocate for her and say like, hey, you know, this is something that my wife wants to do. Why don't you listen to her? It's like she's she's in charge and that she's next of kin and has to plan her husband's funeral. But she's also not she doesn't have any real authority. And she's in this weird sort of in between where like she's not really the first lady anymore. No, that is a really interesting point because we're we're kind of like shown we are shown so much of what she did before, but like all we're really told about like what was going on before that happened was like oh she was over there doing the interior decorating and giving the tour of the White House to just be a motherly presence to America. That's what they kind of just say like that. Those were your roles over there before like this happened, and then once it happens, when she technically isn't even the first lady with whatever level of minimal power you said that inherently comes with in the first place she's then like throwing her weight around for the next week and it's kind of interesting to see her just like become a lot more assertive like when she doesn't even have that figurehead um, figurehead status anymore (laughs) it's just it's just such an odd position to be in from so many angles because Mm -hmm. it's like well how do you deal with losing your husband how do you deal with having to move out of your house how do you deal with the fact that your job isn't what your job was anymore you know it's it's all like it's very strange to think about and you don't necessarily think about what it was like on the smaller scale for the people involved for his family yeah and i keep thinking like are are we properly conveying why this is like interesting enough and why this isn't boring and i think the biggest reason why is because like this is they 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 pick such a good area to focus on because this is like it's not something you really see depicted it's like not a story you've ever seen depicted you've seen like full biopics before of stuff and like this would just be like a, yeah and there have been like, countless like, projects about the kennedys yeah this would just be like a, this would just be like a 15 to 20 minute part of the two hour and 30 minute jackie kennedy biopic right. and which nobody wants <laughs> yeah and like and then but here it's like this is like a very specific point in her life that like no one has like ever seen depicted before. Like there's been shows about presidents, there's house of cards, there's the West wing, there's other movies, but it's like, have you ever, this is like completely unique. Cause you've never actually seen like what would happen if to like the first lady in like the week following an assassination. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just like, if, if you're spending all of your time just in such a foreign land i don't think it's boring and i that's why i want people to realize that, like we're not just talking about a a to z biopic and that's part of what really made it work yeah in a lot of ways it's it's a movie just about a woman who has lost her husband and that woman just happens to be the first lady you know mm-hmm. it's not a it's not i mean there is a lot of talk about the kennedys and like what he meant specifically but there is also a lot just about grief and about the weirdness of like planning a funeral and just yeah, because even just specifically on that funeral point, like, I, what was something I hadn't even considered was like her having to deal with like his family and like right. in the wake of that, where she's like, he's she's like having to go after his mom, like, or not go after, but she's like, Robbie, Robert, you got to tell your mom that like we're not burying the president in Brooklyn, Massachusetts. And it's right. like, the president will be buried at Arlington. Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah, because like that's, yeah. but it's but, like even for more so, like that, that, but that, that conversation would be more, would be more, uh, dicey in her situation that would be for a lot of first ladies just because of like who the kennedys were as a family like they were already mm-hmm. like a very well-established kind of old money family i guess they i think they, they made a lot of their money i guess in prohibition so i guess it wasn't really old money at old money at that point but it's like they're very like high class new england family as opposed to just like 
a regular working class town from Indiana or something like that where he would have been from. So it was just like that was even something that she had to tackle that like a regular person wouldn't have to tackle, you know, and right. even just having to deal with something as minute as that is like much more of a thing than it would be otherwise, which is which is uh, pr- pr- pretty interesting if you ask me. Um but uh, just to get into the more specifics of it a little bit, like, did you have a lot of feelings on Natalie Portman prior to this? Because, like, I, I actually, I did, uh, I, t- I texted Rachel first to ask, like, I was thinking, well, maybe she'll want to do the podcast on it. She's like, not, not a Natalie Portman fan. So I didn't know if there yeah. was, there was just like a anti-Natalie Portman thing that I just wasn't aware of that a lot of people had. So, like, what were your opinions of her going into this, and like, how did you, did she meet them, and or do you have a new respect for her as an actress or anything like that? I mean, I don't really have, I don't really have a. T- ton of opinion on her either way like I was just I was actually trying to think about like all the movies I've even seen her in and it's like well the Star Wars prequels and uh right and uh you know Garden State which uh and uh Black Swan which I liked a lot at the time but I haven't seen it since it came out and I remember like I I really liked it but I was also 18 when it came out so I kind of it's one of those things where it's like I wonder if it really holds up you know I watched it for the first time a month ago actually so, I mean, I can't, I don't really have any, it's like, not like I had to like go back to it after something, but like, I still thought it was pretty good. Um, but I mean, I guess the perspective of like being a, like an, like an 18 or 19 year old girl watching that might be different than like a 26, it, I remember like a 26 it, year old like, guy. My mind. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's probably still good. Yeah. So, I mean, she's but someone yeah. I don't necessarily, I mean, I know that like. Probably like, un- probably unfair to blame her for the Star Wars prequels like that or oh, things yeah, like that. No, but that it's like, it's just, don't even count. So I I actually I, I don't know if you've ever watched uh, uh, Leon the Professional. Um, I actually haven't. Okay, so I watched that for the first time last week. But I mean, like I guess that was a little bit of a controversial role because she was like twelve when it was filmed, and they do some stuff to like in a way sexualize her, which is a little weird when it's a twelve year old girl. Though it, like makes sense in like the in the story, and it's like, but it's like that's literally like probably the that black swan and this like really the only critically acclaimed performances she's ever given that i've seen so it's like i didn't really have like a um strong opinion of oh and she's in thor but i mean like that's oh, just being that's right girlfriend. i had actually forgotten that yeah so like i don't but like i mean but that's a nothing role yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's whatever not bad but it's like not really given a ton to do so it's like i didn't have a lot to go off of but like i saw the preview and i was like well she sounds weird and then like i was like then i like went back and looked at one of the J- jackie kennedy videos i was like oh she's doing like a perfect jackie and kennedy impersonation that's so. the thing is that like a lot of people i've heard people who didn't care for this performance or for this movie saying that like she that the accent is bad or that she leans too hard into the accent and it is sort of jarring it is sort of odd to listen to, mm-hmm. but it's also kind of what Jackie sounded like. Yeah. And I don't know. It's, it's interesting because I knew that this movie um, had been divisive uh, among critics and just people in general. And so I was it's one of those things where like I was I loved it and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. But I could also totally see how someone would hate it. And that could be a valid opinion. Yeah, no, you my, know? My, my one tweet afterward was like, Jackie was dope. I get why there's a backlash, though. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. Uh, and It's like, like, you know, if someone were to, ex- to explain in detail to me why they hated this movie, I would also be on board with that. You know, it's like, I get it. Yeah, and like, I, but like, I, I did really like her. And like, I saw people thought that like, maybe she didn't like give her enough humanity. And like, I, I talked to a couple of people on Facebook that were like that. And it's like, well, to a certain extent, like we, she is putting on a lot. Like she's obviously trying to portray something else that's other than herself. 
And I mean, I, part of what I enjoyed was just like trying to figure out like what really was her. Cause you're seeing just different sides of her when she's trying to put on that kind of act for, for the cameras and figuring out what she's going to do with that and boss around the cabinet people, but also boss around Billy Crudup. And it's like, what really is her? And I, when I, one of the things that I thought was really good, like, I mean, obviously you're seeing her trying to be a mother, which is humanizing to some extent. And, but the big thing was, and I didn't get it right till the second time was when I, I went back and I, I read your little thing you wrote actually on things I loved in 2016. And <laughs> I saw your thing about like, I'm uh, glad somebody read that. <laughs> no, no. I saw, I saw the thing about like, Oh, uh, you have the rest of your life ahead of you. That's a horrible thing to say. And yeah. I, when I was like looking back on it and I thought, Oh, that's probably what they, uh, that's, that's, that's one, that's something that Billy Crudup said to her, right? That's what I was thinking about I it think, after I went back. I think Greta Gerwig says it. No, you're right. And there's this oh, thing yeah. like doing, um, and I, so that was in my head. Like that seemed like something he would have said to her. Like I thought that was coming when, uh, when he was talking about being a, um, being a, a television broadcast person or whatever. And I thought that that was going to be her response to like him trying to say stuff like that. But then she she gives a, the other great line, are you trying to give me career advice in like the most condescending way, which is also a great moment. But like, I just, for some reason, when I saw you write that, I remembered it as him saying something. And then I went back yesterday and I just like totally forgot the context the line was in, even though I remembered the line. And like, that is like the biggest peak you get behind the curtain, in my opinion, yeah. is like seeing her like, cause you know, they obviously have a tight relationship, but like to seeing her like actually like laugh in that moment, it shows like, a sense of humor, which is like of all you really should get given when the movie takes place. It's like a very dark time in her life, but it's like, wow, she act, someone can actually break through. And like, that was like a really key moment for me in showing like, this is more than just like doing an act of Jackie Kennedy, put it on an act. Like she's showing that there's more there, which impressed me. Yeah. And the, the movie doesn't really go into it, but like when I, in reading about this later, um, that Nancy Tuckerman, uh, who's played by Greta Gerwig in the movie, that she and Jackie had been close friends essentially their whole lives and that mm-hmm. she was brought on to this White House uh, social secretary role. And uh, she's sort of the only... Because the movie is her dealing with family in the aftermath of this. And Nancy is really the only like actual friend that she has. Mm-hmm. And that I just I love that line because it is the kind of thing that people say to people who have experienced something terrible... And it also is kind of like, well, that in this moment, I don't want that to be true. And she also and that it's it sort of has like a, a, a funnier spin in that moment because it's her talking to her friend. But then later she says something um, after talking about the funeral procession procession afterward. She says something to the effect of, you know, they they shot him going down the street. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it, but I thought maybe someone would do me the favor if I walked out in the middle of the street of just, you know, killing me also. And that's like, you know, sort of two sides of the same coin. I thought the, both of those lines were very illuminating. Yeah. So what did you, what did you think? We didn't talk much about that. what did you think about the stuff with the priest? Um, I thought, I thought it was fine. I mean, it's kind of a, a device to like, in the same way that the interview framing device is a way someone can just ask her direct questions and she can tell you and the audience how she feels about a thing. Like it's sort of, you know, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think she knows how she feels about religion though, which is, well, no, I, that's true. And that's an interesting thing to explore. But I just mean in the sense that like, because it's not a straightforward movie that I feel like there probably was a sense of like, well, we should probably try and explain something to the audience. Like what are the situations in which you are, confessing things to somebody it's like well interviews or actual confession like 
Yeah. How, how do you get her to even get to that point where she would say something like that? Oh, talking to a priest is a good way to do that, I guess. Exactly. Um, but I know, I mean, I, I still enjoy watching those interactions, but I get, I get, I get what you're saying about how that. I mean, I enjoyed it also, but yeah, yeah, it, yeah. No, no, for sure. Um, and we, we kind of grazed over it, but I mean, uh, how'd you, how'd you feel about Greta Gerwig? I think this was very different from other stuff I've seen her do. Yeah. Uh, Greta Gerwig is an actress. I like a lot. Like I was saying, I don't really have any particular feeling about Natalie Portman. You know, I won't be like, Oh, I have to see that movie because Natalie Portman is in it. But I do, Greta Gerwig is someone who, like, I love Frances Ha, and um, I'm really excited to see 20th Century Women whenever it starts playing yeah. in this godforsaken town. Yeah, we're, um, we're still waiting for it in West Palm, too. <laughs> yeah, um, and you're right, it is different, because I feel like a lot of things I've seen her in have been sort of, like, like wacky, like, not Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but, like, more comedy focus stuff or like more comic relief kind of things and i you know this is a very like a straightforward serious role for her and i don't know she's somebody i'm always happy to see in movies no but it was cool like i mean i think she plays a different if i'm just thinking about the noah bombach stuff like she i don't think she plays it's not like i think it's, it'd be unfair to say she plays gerda gerwig and everything she does but she does it feels like in those three movies like she's playing at least a, different altered versions of a similar person even yeah I, there's I, definitely a type i watched maggie's plan a couple weeks ago too just because like i was it was on stars and i was like all right as greta gerwig i'll watch it like she that is more of a selling point for me than yeah. anyone else that was in that movie even that's the thing where i was like oh i'll watch this because greta gerwig is in it and yeah. like did you watch that it's one too? fine yeah, it's fine. Okay, I didn't, you know, and Julianne Moore's in that one too, so I'm like, oh, I'm always yeah, game for something Julianne Moore's in. Yeah, it's I, fine. I only had so much tolerance for like Ethan Hawke being a pretentious writer, but like, yeah. I, I, st- I still like watching her. And it's like, but he, but it's like, it is like that. That one felt, even though it wasn't a Noah Baumbach movie, like it still felt similar to those other characters. Whereas here, it's like totally serious, and like I totally bought her, and that's why I was like really happy. And like I actually listened to an interview with. Uh, um, it was an interview. Oh no, I, I read an interview with her with someone from Variety, and she was like, she did research. She she didn't actually get to talk to Nancy Tuckerman before she did it, but like she did research into it and like as much found out as much as she could about her. And apparently, like the way she'd been described as like a gentle giant looming over Jackie, and I thought she did that pretty well. It felt like every time she was like on the every time she talked, she was like on the verge of giving her a hug, and like I thought that was like an interesting way to way to play that. And like I thought she did it really well because like when you're so used to seeing someone as like that kind of flighty carefree personality that she often plays in her movies to see her just like kind of zone in and do something totally serious is like really impressive yeah i was happy to see her in a different kind of role than i'm used to seeing her in i think this uh, another strength of this movie is that it's got a supporting cast of like great character actors like there were several times where i'm like oh i didn't know they were in this i'm so happy to see them yeah. like yeah like Mar- marge's husband from fargo is playing lbj i can't remember like the other stuff i've heard. john carol lynch I, yeah that's yeah. his name that's his he's name. great I, I can't remember what i saw him in but like it was really zodiac. Just, right right I, I haven't seen zodiac in a while oh, but like but the like, guy at the end but like yeah. his facial expressions are like so good, even though he didn't have that many lines. But it's like when when um, Rob, RFK is like telling him just to sit down, he's like, "What, what did you just do?" <laughs> like even even that was really good, and it was like because it's like I did read something about that earlier. It's like you got this like whole big supporting cast and it's like they all have to take a backseat to Jackie completely understandably, but they don't like they make the most of what they have for sure. Yeah, it's um. And it's interesting to think about like other like recent movies where I feel like uh, LBJ has been in like a character in several recent like Selma and uh, all the way a movie with Brian Cranston that I did not see. Yes, all the way. And there's right. always. Yeah. And it's like and it's interesting. There's when, another one coming out with Woody Harrelson, too. 
Yeah, it's interesting when, you know, people are playing presidents. It's like, to what degree should it be an impersonation? Like, what should the makeup situation be? You know, and I thought that this handled that well, where it's like, well, you know, that is supposed to be uh, Johnson. We've got a good actor. Like, that's enough that, you know, it doesn't have to be like. That's kind of what they did with uh, RFK, too, because, like, I don't think Peter Sarsgaard particularly looks like him. But, like, like, I I was a little worried I was going to have trouble taking him seriously as that because I I like him fine as an actor. But it was like, he's clearly wearing a hairpiece. And I thought it was going to I thought it was going to be a little disorienting. But he was who did not care for that casting or that performance. I I, I thought it was fine. And I like him a lot as an actor also. So it's another thing where I'm like, oh, great. He's in this. Awesome. What also, I one thing I didn't really mention was like one of the criticism I've seen is that people uh, from a, in a couple places, not not it's not an overwhelming thing, but some people thought maybe the the uh, just the assassination itself, like that was a little too exploitative. But I mean, I thought I thought it might be like, it's not like they went overboard showing the gore. I think I mean, it worked. I, I think I think it was appropriate. Like it's sort of towards the end of the movie when you finally see it. Like you don't even really see JFK's face until very late in the movie at all. But it, it's it's interesting because I remember thinking in the theater as I was watching it, and like this is kind of a terrible way to frame thinking about movies. But I was like, is this rated R? Like nothing R rated has happened yet. And then there's like that very graphic shot, and I was like, oh okay, got it. That that might but be also what did saving it. it for the end. You know, I th- I thought it was the impact of that was. Yeah, because it, it gives some context to, like, what she's going through. She's obviously, like, very, I mean, obviously pretty shaken up. Like, I think it, and, I mean, I, I knew she was, I've watched the Zapruder film before, but, like, that doesn't really tell you everything. Like, you know she's there, but it's, like, I guess I had heard that she, like, tried to save him, which, I mean, you can't really save a guy that gets shot like that. But, like, she, it was, for lack of a better term, like, I didn't realize it was just all in her lap, you know? Yeah. Like, I. Well, and that's which, the thing. It's the kind of thing where there are so many iconic images of it but not really but you still don't think about what it would have been like to like be in that car yeah and even like some of the goriest movies out there like i mean i I saw i saw hacksaw ridge which was very well done war scenes and was pretty graphic at times but it's like you don't always really spend that much time looking at what happens when someone gets shot in the head like you see some blood and they might cut away in a lot of movies so it's like such an infamous event and you're really focusing on the character on whom it had the greatest impact like i totally get doing it the way they did and they could have thrown a lot more they could have thrown even more blood in your face if they were really wanted to go all out which i mean not saying it would have made it worse or better. I'm just saying like i don't i think they were somewhat measured in how they did it so it didn't and there's no especially way because it's the only violent act in the film. You know, it's not like it's a war movie where you're seeing this all over the place because, you know, this is the one major violent thing that happens. I feel like it was well executed. No pun intended. That's terrible. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Well, (laughs) my last question, did you have like any other thoughts just like on the filmmaking in general? Like I've never seen any of Pablo Arrain's movies before. It seems like he's pretty well regarded. Um, like as far as just one of the things I, I I forgot to mention was just like how well I think they do move the camera and the score and I'm still kind of learning as someone that tries to talk about film is to like how how good a score is because like a lot of times I'll watch a movie and like I won't even think twice about the score and then someone will mention it to me I'm like oh yeah that was good and like last year like last award season like I don't think I remembered any score besides like Sicario and Hateful Eight and this year it's probably been like this moonlight and law land and that was it but mm-hmm. like what really bothers me about like scores in movies is when they use it to try and tell you how to feel as opposed to just enhancing how enhancing how you already feel mm-hmm. and yep. like i think it wasn't like you, they weren't using that as a cue for anything here it's like you already know what's going on 
and I just thought like it worked really well. Like I mean, there are like it's there there is score playing like probably seventy five percent of the movie. I'd say at least like, and I think that could get annoying in some instances. But like the fact that it didn't kind of shows that I thought that he knew what he was doing and like where he dropped it in and exactly how loud it was and where and i think it really enhanced the feeling of just the the dread and a lot of scenes that were going on and that was like the biggest thing that jumped out for me that like oh wow this director kind of knows what he's doing in addition to just how he's going to edit this thing where did you have like was that something that meant anything to you or yeah. is there any other uh, filmmaking this, thing that jumped out to you the score is definitely like the, the thing i wanted to talk about because mm-hmm. i i really enjoyed it mm-hmm. and i know that among people who maybe didn't care for this movie the score has, was a major reason. A lot of people thought that it was distracting or like not appropriate to the movie, which is an argument that I totally understand, but it definitely worked for me. And it's, it's interesting. I also like the fact that, um, the composer, Micah Levi is one, you don't see a lot of major, uh, movies scored by women. So like, that's, that's a fun thing. And she also did the, um, Oh, that's good to know. I I did not know that that was a, she, Mike, I saw, I saw, I saw Micah and I thought that was a man's name. So I'm glad you pointed that out. A woman. So that's fun. And she also did the music for the score for under the skin, which is a similar, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of unsettling score, but it makes more sense in that context. And like, that's a movie that, I saw it twice. It took me seeing it twice to for it to click for me. Like I didn't really like it the first time, but it it's a it's interesting because you would think like oh well there's this sort of like science fiction art film and this American biopic like shouldn't really have the same kind of score and like I can understand that argument, but it it really worked for me. I didn't find it distracting at all. I think it it is much more interesting. It, like it makes you wonder like if this had a more traditional score that you would expect from this kind of film, like if it would have the same impact. And it also like, there are other musical moments. Like there's that montage where she's like drinking in the white house, and like trying on all her, yeah. yeah. And listening to the musical Camelot. And like, that's a really good, like, um, affecting needle drop. But I, I, I really enjoyed the score. I mean, and I'm not someone who can talk about music in great detail or very intelligently, but I do enjoy listening to film scores. And it, this one sort of reminded me of, um, the scores uh that what's his name johnny greenwood did for the paul thomas anderson movies hmm. and that there's like the master and the master is my favorite of those but like there will be blood as well like that too where it's like just sort of vaguely unsettling and like i i feel like it really works yeah well i'm it's i'm glad that that was something you noticed too like i'm i'm even like worse at music than you i'm sure like that's something we joke about on the podcast a lot like i'm for as much as i know about movies i know like less than i know less than anyone about music but like so (laughs) so i know they did something right whenever like someone can like catch my eye musically because usually it might just like go totally over my head um is there anything else I didn't touch on that you want to talk about with it? I feel like we uh, pretty well covered um, a lot of this. Like, was there something like I didn't ask you about that you really wanted to touch on? Um, the ma- I guess the score was the main thing, and like the supporting performances were the two like best elements of. Not that I didn't uh, enjoy the lead performance, but I was really sort of pleasantly surprised by all of the. You know, I I like Billy Crudup a lot. Like his performance in Almost Famous is like one of my favorite. Yeah, of and, all time. And then he disappeared for like most it. of yeah. 15 years. And now he's like, I'm excited because, you know, I liked him in Spotlight. That was a cool performance. Oh, yeah, in Spotlight. I forgot he was in Spotlight. Because like, that, that's such a cool performance in Spotlight because it's like, I mean, it's like the fifth or sixth, like the sixth or seventh lead. But like that guy's so ambiguous with like what his deal is. And he's like really good at playing that, playing that part in there. And then he had this. Did you see, did you see the Stanford prison experiment last year by any chance? 
I did not. I think you can watch that on like Showtime anytime now. Like it's a cool cast because it's like, I mean, you know what the Stanford prison experiment mm-hmm. is obviously, but like it has like all these, it's him and then Olivia Thurlby plays like his wife that was a student who's like obviously way younger than him. Yeah, and I remember seeing the trailer for that, but yeah, I never actually it was good. saw it. It has like Ezra Miller and Ty Sheridan and Thomas Mann, like all these young actors. Like I, I recommend it, but like he's, he, he plays the main professor in that and he's really good and he's going to be in 20th Century Woman. So it's like... He's yeah, having, I'm very he's, excited he's, to see that. He's having, a, he's having kind of like a resurgence. I'm excited for him. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, and like, well, you mentioned like you, this, the other stuff jumped out to you, but like, and we just said we haven't seen 20th Century Woman. So you can't, I don't know how much we can really comment on like the best actress race, but like, did, did you, did you have strong feelings where you're like, I, I, cause some people think it's going to be between her and Emma Stone for like best actress. Like, did you have like, yeah. did you like one better than the other between those two or where are you? On I that? mean, I don't feel particularly strongly about any, any of the, performances at least that have been dubbed like major contenders this year like i thought emma stone was good in la la land but i i, I don't feel the need to throw awards at it you know mm-hmm. it's like she was good and what that movie was and like i enjoyed it for what it was and then sort of moved on so you, you weren't like a totally big time la la land person like Anthony i'm firmly in the middle on la la land okay, yeah. i i i enjoyed it um i thought the songs were not particularly memorable but i really enjoyed the score again <laughs> um yeah and yeah but yeah i like and I think I think Natalie Portman is good in this movie, and I think she does what this movie requires. But I'm also not like it's not an ensemble movie. But I feel like there there her performance is not the only thing that makes it for me. Yeah, that's a good point. But like, I mean, like if, if there's like one person I wish to get like nominated for an Oscar for this movie, I'd say it's probably the director because I think it's such a unique way to do it. And I don't composer. think it's gonna happen. Or, or the composer, yeah, you <laughs> do it too. But like, I mean, I, th- I I'm not like I follow the Oscar races a lot, but like I can't couldn't tell you who the favorites are to win score off the top of my head. But like I know that like as far as like best picture and best director, like this isn't quite up there. Like people thought it might have been when it first played at festivals. No. Kind of bothers me because I mean like. It's not like I don't like I've who knows maybe more I think about it I might move it up like I have it in my top ten movies of the year now but like I have other movies like in my top five like uh, like like Don't Think Twice Sing Street and like Edge of Seventeen that aren't gonna like get Oscars so it's like out of no the stuff Edge of Seventeen did not get the attention it deserved for sure yeah, but, but it's like those are ones that I have way up there that I know don't have a chance at Oscars whereas like this one would have been one of those at some point and I, he's just they're just not quite up there and I think it's like a it's very one- hard task to like put together a movie like this. Well, it's sort of like what we were talking about at the beginning, that it's it sounds Oscars-y in theory, mm-hmm. but then you watch it and it's not a typical... Yeah, they'd rather reward the, the theory of everything <laughs> or something like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that's it. Like, for, I appreciate the like the five people that are probably still listening. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that I think that we've about covered everything. So, before, we should uh, we should not lose the five listeners that we have left. But um, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Uh, like yeah, I said, yeah, I, thanks for having me. I didn't really have that many other people to talk to about it, and I hope that maybe this podcast will find an audience of Jackie people who just aren't people in the jackie that are not the people we know and we'll see we'll, we'll see how that goes uh so if, if if you want to pimp your twitter handle or anything like oh, that, sure. do you want to do that uh yeah. i'm on twitter at h-g-c-o-u-t-u-r-e if you enjoy tweets about Mad Men and being angry about movie release dates <laughs> hit me up 
that's something that like you can always find on my Twitter account too. It's at Josh Jernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-I. And as always, you can tweet at us if you have thoughts on Jackie or anything else that you want us to talk about. It's our Twitter candle is 52 and 52 pod and our Gmail is 52 and 52 pod at gmail.com. So we should have other podcasts coming soon. If you might have already heard our fences one, or that might be coming after this. And uh, probably going to have, have seen some of the few movies that come out still. I know Anthony will want, want to see Silence and I think 20th Century Woman, but that might be February by the time it gets to us, unfortunately. Uh, so yeah, January 20th or something, I think. Oh, there you go. So For me, yeah. happy, happy birthday to me. That's my birthday weekend. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go see. 20th century woman by myself for my birthday since i don't have any other friends that don't want to see it so uh, but all right thank thank you for listening and um please tune in next time bye